I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. It's Meg here as always, and I'm so excited to dive into today's episode with Vanessa Henry. So Vanessa Henry feels like my new BFF. (laughs) She is a fellow manifester on the human design And she's also located in Canada, which got me so excited. I feel like since just having an online business, the majority of people that I connect with are in the U.S., obviously. And whenever I come across someone on Instagram and find out they're in Canada, I get so excited. So it was really exciting to find out that Vanessa is actually in my neighboring province. So I really hope to meet her in real life this summer when I travel there. So really excited about that. But before we get into today's episode, I actually have a little bit more to tell you about it, why I'm so excited about it. But first up, just a few things on my end. Please don't forget that we have a podcast group on Facebook now, the Unbreakable You Podcast Crew. You can just hop on Facebook, type in the search box, the Unbreakable You Podcast Crew. We already have over 100 members. It's growing every day, which makes me so happy because we're having such great conversations in there. And really the whole reason I created this Facebook group is just so we can interact and connect more intimately. I know we have so many listeners for the podcast and I feel like I chat with so many of you on Instagram, in the DMs, and it brings so much light into my life. But I thought, why not have more conversations in like a group setting and also create like a community around the podcast so you guys all of the listeners can meet and connect as well so ever since we got the podcast group on Facebook going we've had some great conversations and you guys will kind of like get um, background sneak peeks and more information and stuff like that compared to people who aren't in the group so if you're not in the group yet and you have Facebook definitely join us over there. I just love it. I'm in there every day chatting with you guys. So um, yeah, join us there. And then also exciting update next week at this time, my new website will be live. So I'm really excited about that. So we can talk more about that next week. But I just wanted to give you a little heads up that it will be live at this time next week. And now for the podcast. So Vanessa is joining me today and we're talking about deconditioning. So we go into more detail about what deconditioning is, but 
As you guys know, I'm all about deconditioning and this is a practice that really allowed me to make make huge progress through my healing journey just within the past year even. Unlearning those deeply held beliefs that I have been holding on to for so long. And so it's really cool that human design really plays into that deconditioning practice that I really um, had such great experience with in my own life. And I wasn't even really expecting this, but Vanessa and I actually got into reproductive health and started talking about how certain human design types and their reproductive health can be influenced. So that's really exciting. And I know you guys are really going to enjoy that. And also, if you're a fellow manifester, so I believe only 9% of the population are manifestors. I'm one of them. Vanessa Henry is another one. So I will admit that her and I definitely geek out a little bit about being manifestors and sprinkle some manifestor stuff, um, little tidbits of information for fellow manifestors in there. So couldn't help but do that. We love being manifestors. Um, So if you're a fellow manifestor, you'll love those little golden nuggets sprinkled throughout the show as well. But the show isn't just for manifestors. It's for anyone looking to learn a little bit more about human design and also deconditioning how to do that, what it looks like, and just learning more about how to work with your body through human design. So let's cut over to my chat with Vanessa Henry. She's so awesome. You guys are going to love her. Hey, Vanessa, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on with us today. Thank you. I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, honestly, I know I was sharing this with you before we even hit record, but I feel like I came across your Instagram account about a month ago Mm -hmm. and it just blew me away. Just like your way of talking to your audience and just everything that you're about. You're so lovable and welcoming And even in your Instagram bio, you say you're like our new BFF. So I totally feel you as that. And I'm just so thrilled to have you on. Thank you. You know, I know we're both manifestors from human design perspective, and sometimes we come off intense. And I'm really trying to shift that narrative because it can be intimidating to manifestors when they find out about their energetic. So I was like, no, no, no. Like we can be intense and cuddly. You know what I mean? So yes, that's what I really, an angle I try and take online. Yeah, for sure. So even with that, I know, um, just in the past, like when I moved to a brand new city for university, I remember a lot of people told me afterwards that they were scared to talk to me or scared to approach me because they, well, I had that like resting bitch face, right? And they just thought I was going to be so mean. And then I ended up being their best friend. And I just don't feel like that about myself. I'm like, are you serious? You were actually scared to approach me? So curious do you feel that way about yourself like are you aware of your intensity or how do you feel about that I think the word 
that was, you know, sometimes used around me was intimidating. And I never really knew why when I was younger. I know, for example, as a child, I was definitely a bold personality, but never thought I was intense or, or dare I say mean, uh, just passionate. And as I tiptoed, obviously, into high school, you know, hormones got involved and I really started to learn about this sort of intimidation. But I never felt that way. I was always surprised that people were intimidated by me. And as I matured into really into adulthood, it had conditioned me that I always thought I was going to be too much because people were always intimidated by me. So I felt I had to go above and beyond to be people pleasing, to go out of my way to say, no, I'm soft. We can connect. And I learned I was limiting myself through that. I was limiting my ability to um, be as authentic as I possibly can be. And I think what, what people don't realize about manifestors is that's just their aura. It's literally an invisible energy around them that is a protective shield. And that's because we have a very specific way that we need to do certain things. We need to move through life in a certain way. And our aura acts as a way to push people or energy, I shouldn't say people, push energy out of the way so we don't come up against resistance. So we're not stopped for these, you know, these incredible things that we're supposed to initiate into the world. But as the manifester who doesn't have that knowledge or doesn't know that's the way that they're designed, it can feel really lonely and isolating when you can't understand, well, why does everybody think I'm intimidating? And so then your natural reaction is to try and counter that and, and show, no, I am approachable. And, and I think a lot of manifestors are approachable. That's, you know, it's not just this blanket statement that every manifestor is too much or intimidating, but there's something about them that makes the other energies interact with them slightly cautious. And so what's happening on an energetic level is the manifestor's aura, the invisible energy field around their body is so dense, so thick, um, that when they come into the room, they push the other energetic auras out of their way. So if somebody's not a manifestor and a manifestor comes into the room, the other person's aura is literally contracting. So that must not feel nice for the actual other energy type. So as a manifester, as soon as you realize that, you don't want to hurt people, but you can appreciate that's just, this is a natural thing that's going to happen with your aura. So just give people a heads up that you're coming and it removes that sense of resistance. So instead of trying to be people pleasing, a really healthy way forward as a manifester is to sportscast what you're doing, you know, just let you know I'm coming in the room. Like that sounds silly, but, but literally like giving a heads up on, on what your aura is going to be doing. Because of course, for me, that wouldn't feel nice if someone just came in and made me contract my aura without me knowing. So as a manifester, some of the most loving things we can do to conduct our life is be considerate of the people around us and just give them a heads up about what our powerful energy is going to be doing at a given moment. Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense and 100% why I wanted to have you on. Like, just the way you describe things is so beautiful. You talk so well. Thank and you. also, just your writing, even for your Instagram posts, it's just always so on point. So, okay, so we that was a beautiful description, like I said, but can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Maybe give everyone an intro if they're just meeting you for the very first time today. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's so interesting because human design has made me question, um, 
how I'm supposed to identify. And this is a lot of what's going on with Chiron right now around us. Chiron, of course, in astrology is the wounded healer and it's in the sign of Aries. So we're all questioning our identity. Who am I? It's a very Aries thing to do. But in my human design, my G center is undefined. So I'm always taking little pieces of my identity um, or trying new things to figure out who I am. So I've done a lot of different things and it's tricky for me to say, hi, this is who I am. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Um, but by, by trade, my career really began in journalism. I started working in magazines, started storytelling. I published fiction under a pen name and really fell in love with the art of storytelling. And it led me into being a digital entrepreneur. It led me into being a university instructor and really crafting a, a world, a life, another identity really with social media. Social media is, is a whole other, well, I, I should really say the digital realm is a whole other realm that human beings have just created. Like we live in the physical realm and we created a new realm to exist in, a digital realm. So I exist there. And when I you know, die in the physical world, I'll still exist in the digital world. There'll still be photos and stories by me. So my essence will always be there. And even in hearing me talk about this, uh, a lot of my work is talking about these new realities that we're creating. And I use storytelling and instructing. Um, I teach adults, not children, though. I should. It's a very different teaching style. So I'm a university instructor and a published author, but I primarily am a digital entrepreneur. And I use Instagram kind of like a digital classroom. And I like to teach about energetics, which is astrology and primarily human design. But astrology is a way for us to zoom out of our life and really review our storyline from a different way. We get so focused on each chapter, but when we back up, um, what's the what's the common thread? What's the central theme throughout our story? And for me, that's really what um, my work is about. It's helping people realize what their central theme is to their life, what their who their main character is. You know, you're not a supporting role in your life. You're the main character. Sometimes you're the villain, sometimes you're the heroine. Uh, you're usually just both at all times. So it's just um, a lot of my work is about helping people consider themselves more intimately and realize how amazing their life is if they would just look. And I like to use um, my teaching background and storytelling and journalism background to understand some of these complex subjects and then explain them to people so they can actually apply them to their life rather than just getting overwhelmed by looking at the shapes in a body graph. Yeah, because that is overwhelming, right? Of course, of course yeah. it is. Yes, it's like, it's 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 no different than asking someone to sit on a, buck, uh, a bike, excuse me, and say, figure it out. You're like, well, there's these pedals and these handlebars. There's all these things to control. And sometimes we just need a user manual, you know, or a guide. And I think everything in life is like that, including human design. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of human design, like how did that become a part of your life? So you were writing books and a professor in the university. So where did human design start to come in? I think to be totally sincere, my study of energetics starts before my career did. And as a child, I watched my father pass away from cancer. And I remember staring at him and re being really fixated on wanting to understand what he was feeling and wanting to understand, you know, he was losing his mind in the end while he was dying. And, and what did that feel like? I wanted to understand him. So I was always curious by nature. And a couple years later, uh, I too was diagnosed with cancer, completely unrelated to my dad's, you know, 
it didn't make sense to me. I was deeply angry, which is a classic manifestor thing. And I was 16 at the time. And it kind of birthed my curiosity about the human body. And I was thrown into the medical world. I needed to monitor my new monitor, my neutrophils, my hemoglobin, my platelets, you know, I had to know all this language. And I got curious about medicine and science, but there was something missing. There was something missing that we didn't seem to have all the information. And that's ultimately when I really got curious about astrology. And I was, I was, raised in a small French town. So, you know, which is a Catholic French town, but really was, uh, what I've identified as an atheist my whole life. So people are always shocked when they hear that because I seem spiritual and, you know, um, talking about complex subjects like the universe and what is God. And so when they hear atheists, they're surprised, but it's true. Anyway, um, it's because I was curious about the body but science and medicine were not giving me the answers that I was looking for. And when I stumbled into human design, which is really a study of energetics, uh, my focus sincerely is on physical disease in the body manifesting in the energy centers when we're not using our energy correctly. And so I do a personal study of every client, every chart I read, I always ask about their health because I can spot dis-ease and illness that manifests in the undefined centers. Sometimes in the defined centers because we can become consistent with operating unhealthy. So a, con- a, a defined energy center has a consistent way of processing energy and an open energy center has an inconsistent way of processing energy. So either one can become ill or off, you know, um, off balance, I guess. But I started to track illness in the body uh, based on the person's experience and what their design showed me. And it was fascinating. And it quickly started answering questions that I um, had not previously found answers to. So I really think as we flip into this right paradigm, when we start being curious about things like human design and, and other modalities that help us understand ourselves, we're starting to access new information that makes us realize we clearly don't have all the information about the body and how to take care of ourselves. I'm somebody who's almost died. I've watched mm-hmm. a lot of kids die as a, as a child who was diagnosed with cancer and family members. And for me, it ignited this passion. What's going on in the body? Why isn't food and medicine always the correct answer? Mm-hmm. And what don't we know? And I know a lot of your work too is around period health. And that to me is right in the exact vein. It's exactly non-sacral beings. You don't have sacral definition. You have an exhausted sacral center. Are you missing periods? Do you have heavy periods? Do you have IBS? You know, all these things we can track in, an, in a vulnerable open energy center. So sorry, long story short, the, the reason that human design piqued my interest so much was for health reasons. And even though I was spiritually curious, it was, it started to give me a language to use to understand parts of the body that I had not otherwise been able to understand relying on science and medicine. Wow. I got chills listening to all of that. Thank you so much for. It was a lot. I know, but yes, yes. It's it's, um, an interesting study. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So what you're saying is for open centers, and I actually had this question before, but never asked it um, on any previous podcast about human design that we had so far, but open centers, we can actually experience like dis-ease and specific illnesses based on which energy centers of ours are open. Yes. 
Wow. From my perspective, anyway, I'd like mm-hmm. to actually let's really explain what is an open energy center. Yeah. This is an area in your body that is taking in energy around it. And it's doing that because it's learning to, you want life experience there. So for you and I, we have open sacrals. We're learning when enough is enough. You know, we're learning how hard do I work? How hard do I play? We don't know. It's not our fault. It's like we're a little kid. So we're in this life to get life experience about sacral energy, which is sexual energy, life force energy, um, creativity. And we take in that energy and we amplify it. We crank it up. We crank up the volume, crank up the brightness. And and sometimes it distorts. So we get a little, you know, things start to not function properly. And we have to be gentle with ourselves because we're just learning how to do that. That's what we're doing in this life. But you can imagine when we're making things extreme, it's the energy is inconsistent. And sometimes when you make things too extreme or you're not taking care of that energy center because you've never been taught how, you hang on to energy when you're not designed to do that. And that's when dis-ease can manifest in the body. So an overworked, exhausted sacral, yeah, you're going to have tummy problems or reproductive problems. Mm-hmm. And we can start to track that. Now, if you're somebody who, if you're in this example, is sacrally defined, so you're one of the two generators and you have a red square in your belly in your design, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're stronger. It just means that energy center is consistent. So if you're consistently unhealthy, you know, it's it's going to, something's going to manifest in, uh, in an unhealthy way. We just think of somebody who has unhealthy thought patterns. They have defined head, sensor, head centers, consistent ways of thinking, but they're always thinking, I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm fat. We can see that that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And of course, something's going to start to go wrong in the body in the way the body's actually supposed to operate. So human design is really this tool to understand our bodies in a totally new way, to use our analytical scientific minds that we've been groomed. You know, we've grown up with the internet. We're groomed kind of like computers to approach things analytically. And now we have to use that ability to understand spiritual concepts or right brain concepts. And that's really what human design helps us do. It's a user manual to understand how are you uniquely designed and what do you have to watch for in your body? How do you take care of your unique body and where are you designed to go and grow into in life? What life experience are you here for? So it's really an exciting tool that makes you either inspired or empowered or healed. You know, it depends what you're here learning and it can really sincerely change your life because it makes you consider yourself in a different way. Definitely. And I am so experiencing that personally. And I really love what you brought up about like a open sacral center because Obviously, as you know, so many of my listeners do have reproductive issues. And it's cool that you brought that up because that was a thought of mine like months ago Um, when I well, I had I got my period in August, I guess. But um, I guess I was even thinking about this before that. I knew that my sacral center was open and then I had a lot of friends that weren't experiencing period issues and like had never experienced them and it was always just like a thought on my head I wonder if that plays a role um whether someone like struggles with that area of their health or not so that's so cool let's talk about that for a second because a lot of your listeners know you from the lens of period health and someone listening 
I would encourage you to immediately go look at your human design to find out what's going on in your sacral. If you're a reflector, projector, or a manifester, we call you a non-sacral being, which means you take in energy into your sacral center and you amplify it. You're here to become wise about it. You're just learning. You've got to keep trying, keep trying, keep taking in energy, but you've got to make sure to get it out. Now, if you're one of the two generators, you're going to have a red square in your belly. But the issue, of course, is if you're having um, problems with your menstrual cycle and you are consistent, you have developed a consistently unhealthy habit. So a lot of things that I see in generators with with period health uh, issues around their, their menstrual cycle, I should say, is that they may have an open throat and they're not speaking their truth and they're just stuffing their emotions down. Where do you stuff them? Down into your belly. And you become consistent with that. Keep pushing this toxic energy down into your belly rather than getting it out or crying it out or talking it out. And it festers inside the body. It literally swirls in that energy center. And of course, things are going to start to go wrong. Of course, things are going to start to manifest incorrectly and in an unhealthy way. As someone who's a cancer survivor, I've had chemo and radiation to my body. So my reproductive organs were were compromised, we should say. And I was told I'd never have children. Yet I have a son. So I was like, okay, well, clearly doctors aren't God. You know, they're just doing their best. And I knew I was going to potentially have long-term issues because of this type of treatment that I've had. And now that I'm about 15 plus years out, I've started to develop fibroids on my uterus, which is tiny tumors. And I've had a very, very inconsistent period. But let me tell you, I'm an, I'm a, I can definitely be a workaholic where I will work and work and work and work and work, which is just amplifying sacral energy. Like Vanessa, turn off, go to bed. And it's like, ah, I just want to get it out because I don't know how yet to, you know, have those healthy boundaries. I'm in this life just learning them. And yes, it's going to manifest as an unhealthy um, energetic in that part of my body. So it's not about scolding myself for that. Human design really helps me have a language and an awareness that that's going on. So then I can consciously make the adjustment rather than not even have a clue what's going on and feeling really hopeless with, with, you know, the medical team supporting me, like they're not getting me, you know, I I don't go into my doctor's office and say, my sacral, you know, no, I'm not doing that. But when I'm taking those meetings and then coming home after and processing it from an energetic perspective, I I find a lot of comfort in knowing what I need to do for myself because of having this tool in my pocket to understand my body and be gentle with it Mm -hmm. and, and kind with it. Like it's trying to have a period. It doesn't know how it's just learning how to figure that out. And, um, the health problems that come with that, you know, the hormonal problems that come with that. So from, from the perspective of menstrual health, look at what's going on in your sacral. If it's defined and you're having issues, it may be because you are consistently doing something in an unhealthy manner. And if you're having uh, period issues and your sacral is open, uh, be gentle because you're taking in and it's energy and it's just a lot for you. Mm-hmm. And so you need a lot of alone time to get that energy out of your body and develop habits and rituals on how to get that energy out of your body. Okay. And it feels good for you. Do you have some rituals that would be good for the oh, ladies girl. listening? I'm in that bath all the time. I, I know you are. I love I it too. Um, if we think about what's going on for non-sacral beings, um, for projector energy types, a lot of language out there says to empty out your energy centers. I love this. Um, emptying out your energy centers is spending time alone and finding a way to get this energy out of you. For manifestors, I like to use the word expelling energy because you have a forceful energy and you need to push that energy out. 
So for some people, they may want to go work out. That is definitely not what I want to do. Just No, I'm tired at the end of the day. I don't want to work out. But I will go in the bath with salts and oils. And if we think about what's happening there, the body's detoxing. It's pulling energy and toxins, literally what we've taken in throughout the day, into the bath. And for me, that's my favorite way to, favorite thing to do. So I, every night will spend a few hours alone, not in anybody else's energy. So my body has a chance to relax and not take in energy. And this is challenging because I have a child, you know, it's like, I have to wait till bedtime, which is frustrating. Um, and then I'll have a bath, but sometimes I'll even do stretching or movement or yoga of twisting the sacral, twisting the abdomen, like wringing out a sponge, mm -hmm. you know, but a lot of people, need to figure out what works for them. They'll paint or they'll be creative, right? The sacral center is creative energy or sexual energy or physical energy. Sometimes having an orgasm is, is really healthy. It's the physical sensation of the depletion of your energy center. So an orgasm before bed could push out all the energy. But really as a non-sacral being, it's important to spend alone time every single day. So you're not taking in anybody else's aura and then consciously putting rituals in place, like a walk by yourself, like movement, like wringing out your abdomen, an orgasm or a bath to envision yourself removing the excess energy you've taken in all day. Because only when we get energy out of the body is can we actually externally process it to become wise about it. Otherwise we're hanging on to it and we get sick, literally. Yeah. Amazing. Those are such great takeaways. And for me personally, like whenever I'm feeling like I've just had too much stimulation or I'm like overwhelmed, stressed, too many thoughts going on. The number one thing I need to do is go for a walk. And I often will say that to my boyfriend. I'm like, I just need to like, and it always needs to be by myself. Like I just need to be alone, but usually moving my body in some way. And it feels like that's a way for me to expel that extra energy. Totally. Mm -hmm. And you're listening to your body's natural intelligence when you do that, you know, because we nurture kids away from their natural intelligence. And we each try instinctively to do things like this to take care of ourselves. And I know you're a splenic or a splenic, excuse me, manifester. So your, your spleen is defined. My spleen is open and mm -hmm. the spleen is the brown triangle on the left of the body graph. And when this is undefined, people can sometimes hang on to things that aren't good for them. Now for you, you're more likely to get rid of it, to let go of it, which is very so great. Like so great. Splenic manifestors are, I love them. They're so cool and quirky. I love them. Um, but they have that kind of not, it's not an advantage, but they have a natural intelligence. that's already calibrated into them that this isn't good for me. No, this isn't good for me. And they, they can sense that right away where when that energy center is undefined, that can be harder. These are people who are in toxic relationships for way too long because they, they don't know how to get rid of things that are bad for them. They're just learning that they have to be gentle with themselves. So that's why I find your work so um, empowering because you have a natural calibration to know when something doesn't feel good, but not everybody else does. And so your wisdom can be helping us, you know, through your own stories on what works for you. And then it's, it's channeled through your open sacral, because really we should all be doing work through our open energy centers. Cause that's where we're gaining wisdom. So if our sacral is open, you and I can really share a life wisdom on when enough is enough and how to determine when enough is enough in our life. Wow. I did not realize that. And I do feel like now maybe would be a good time to start talking about deconditioning just because Absolutely. just 
now that we're like still on the topic of having open sacral centers, this is where I do like, first of all, when I first started learning about human design, I was like deconditioning. What's that? But then once I actually like learned what it was, I was like, oh, why didn't I, you know, pick up on that before? It's just we're conditioned a certain way based on like our open energy centers. Right. Um, but for me, the w- one way that I see it coming up in my life is like I thrive off of alone time and I love it. I need it. But then there's that conditioning that comes in where you see other people that they don't need it and, you know, they're always with their partner and things are all great and whatnot. And so I just thought it would be a great time to start talking about um, this deconditioning thing. And so maybe you can elaborate for those that aren't familiar with what we're talking about. I would love to talk about deconditioning (laughs) because the, the world around us is constantly conditioning us telling us who to be. And when we're born, we really have what I like to call a natural intelligence that is correct for us. But as we grow and evolve, we're so influenced and conditioned by the world around us that we start to get away from our body's natural intelligence. And a really good example uh, for this is, is something I went through with my son. My son um, is something we call a nervous eater in human design. There are particular dietary regimens each of our bodies are calibrated to, and we need certain circumstances or conditions met when we're nourishing. And so for my son, he's a nervous eater. So this means he needs a lot of energy on or going on around him. Otherwise, he's not even hungry. Now, when I was when he was little and I was making his food, I was bustling around the kitchen and he was such a good eater. And then he got a little bit older and we're sitting down together around the dinner table and he's fidgeting and he's not eating. And I kept saying to him, "Okay, buddy, sit nice. And I had this moment where I was like, holy cow, I'm conditioning him away from his natural intelligence. He needs to literally physically move his body when he's eating or he needs to be busy. He literally needs to watch a show or to be playing when he's eating. To ask him to sit down at the dinner table and sit nice is conditioning him away from his natural intelligence. So this is literally when it begins. Now for me, I'm not a nervous eater. You know, there's a, there's multiple dietary regimens. So what we really want to be doing for ourselves and for especially future generation, because human design is really for kids. To we really want to learn this for kids, so the next generation does isn't raised with conditioning the way that we are. Is learn what is unique about the individual. You know, this is what indigenous teachings are trying to guide us. You know, with with holistic um, teachings, is consider the individual. Don't just make a blanket statement way of of living. This is how we eat. This is how we play. This is how we sleep. Because we really want to learn what is unique about the individual person and what their needs are, rather than just putting our um, ways onto them. So what's correct for me is not going to be correct for you. And if I'm trying to say, this is what works, do this, you're going to feel very disempowered because it's not working for you. And I'm like, it should work for you. So deconditioning is really the intentional um, experiment of unlearning what you haven't even realized you've learned along the way of your life. And it's sincerely very uncomfortable. And the more uncomfortable you feel is the more you're deconditioning. 
And discomfort is something I'm really starting to embrace because that's the, for me, the physical sensation of transcendence. Mm -hmm. When I'm having a really uncomfortable time, I'm always saying, wow, I must be going through something big because (laughs) big upgrade coming because this is uncomfortable. And it just keeps me a little bit at peace. I don't tiptoe into stress and anxiety. So deconditioning is getting back to your true self, your authentic self, the real you. And it's peeling away what the world has put on you that doesn't feel good. And human design says this is approximately a seven year process if you're doing it very intimately. And the reason for that is that's how long it takes for cellular regeneration. So Mm -hmm. once you unlearn something, there it needs time to permeate all your cells in your body so you can sincerely unlearn it and then create new neural pathways in your brain on how to actually exist. So human design does really take a scientific approach, mm-hmm. but you, you're really reading it like a mechanic, you know, like a, a user manual, how to understand this computer that you're, you know, operating. Yeah. And the way I like to explain this is envision your spirit, your soul, not inside your body, but wrapped around your body, hugging it. And it's just trying to understand how to operate this body. And there is a user manual that we can access through astrology and human design. We just have to know where to look and how to read it. And that's really what this this tool can do for us. Absolutely incredible. And yeah, like you said, we're all so different. And this user manual that we have is different for every single one of us, right? So... Wow. Seven years to do this deconditioning work. Masters hate hearing that. (laughs) We're like, like, what? So, so it's important to know that you, when you enter into the deconditioning process, you are unraveling, you are, but you know, when are you totally unraveled? I'm not sure that it takes seven years. I'm not sure we ever fully unravel, Mm -hmm. you know, sincerely. So, so we, I, try, I try to not get caught up on that. It's more so about doing your work, getting to know yourself, unlearning the parts that don't feel good and were forced upon you and fall in love with the process rather than wanting to have the perfect end result. It's the journey. You know, it's all about the journey of, of unlearning and coming back to your true self. Totally. So if someone's like, I have never even thought about this before, how can I start this deconditioning process, where would you suggest they begin and start looking? For deconditioning, it's, it's absolutely essential to know your design type and to know what you're working with. So the best place to go is mybodygraph.com. Those, that's the place that the Jovian archive owns. They're the ones who own the rights to Ra Yuru's Who's work. He's the founder of human design. He's since passed away. And that's a great place to go to calculate your chart, figure out who you are. And then from there, really look for practitioners that resonate with you because there's two styles of teaching. There are these rows teachers all over Instagram and that's what I am and there is a very formal left-brained almost dare I say patriarchal style of going through a formal education process and that costs a lot of money so find the practitioners I'd say on Instagram that feel good that that you really click with maybe they're your same energy type maybe you like their teaching style and follow um, some of their processes I've created an online school um, called the Academy, I just call it the Academy. It's vanessahenry.com. And there I have developed certain courses to hold your hand specifically through the process. And for me, the process is learning your unique sleep style, the way you need to recharge your vehicle, feeding yourself correctly through nutrition, 
putting yourself in the correct environment because we are very vulnerable to conditioning when we're in the wrong energetic space. And then choosing self-care practices that develop the unique cognition that you have, the unique super sense that you have. Uh These are kind of like the ingredients. But if that's overwhelming, that's really the information to go out and find to figure out how to do this and enter into this process of learning how your aura works, learning how to work with your human design authority. And if you need more handholding through that, I've created a resource uh, in my online school to do that, to help you unlearn what we haven't even known we've learned. Absolutely incredible. And I always like peep your Instagram stories and you have an incredible way of interacting with all of us and answering questions. And I just hear so much positive feedback um, about your academy, too. So I'm super interested in that for sure. I'm um, thanks for telling me that makes me feel so nice. (laughs) I, I really when I was teaching in universities in physical classes, I knew it was too much for me to be around all those students, teaching all day, talking all day, it was a lot. And I had already been a digital entrepreneur. So I wanted to take my experience teaching and bring it into this new paradigm, make it digital, but consider the student and what the student needs to learn. And it's it's sincerely so much fun for me. And I have really incredible students enrolled who are invested, they're curious, there's new content that comes out each month to help them deepen into their own deconditioning rituals and learning about themselves. But for me, what's so valuable about it is you can reference it to learn about everybody else around you, because that's what's important here. What's unique about my partner? Mm -hmm. How do I understand my partner and really support them or my child or, oh, that's why mom drives me crazy. She's she's a generator. She's always making moans because she's a generator. You know, it just it gives us a new language of understanding each other and and to stop competing with each other and fighting each other, but to embrace one another and celebrate what's unique about the other so we can get back to our genius, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of homogenizing and all being average and the same. Yeah. What's special about us? And that's what this does. Yeah. And like what's special questioning ourselves. Like, why can't we do that the way that they can do that or whatever? Yeah. Right. This is what makes us jealous of one another because we're taught to be a certain way rather than to figure out what's special about us and celebrate that. So when we try and copy every other influencer we see, we just get more and more frustrated or bitter because we're not honoring our true identity and our uniqueness. We're trying to replicate theirs. If we think about this really, you know, if we think about this from a very spiritual perspective, let's envision we all come from the same place. We all come from the same giant energetic orb in the sky and we're each just one finger reaching out, you know, having a very unique experience. Well, you and I are never going to touch the same place. We're never having the unique, the same, excuse me, experience. We're having a unique experience. So each of our lives should be as unique as we possibly can make them. So we can bring that wisdom back to this giant spiritual collective in the end, you know, go and live and be as unique and explore as much as you can and bring it back. So we all benefit rather than just trying to recreate and reproduce what someone else is doing. We're missing the point when we do that. It's just a way to control us and turn us into patriarchal soldiers. You know what I mean? We're not here for that. Yeah, for sure. And it must feel so awesome as a manifester to be creating all of this new stuff for your members every month too. That's okay. Thank you for bringing that up because as a manifester, I can't do the same thing all the time. So you're absolutely right. In, In my own process, this was a very key piece because I 
recognize I got was getting bored quickly. That's because I was trying to operate like somebody else. I'm not here to do the same thing all the time. I'm here to do something new, do something new, do something new. And that's not for everyone, but it's definitely for me. So you're right. I developed a manifestation stream for myself as a manifester. And you can feel that passion in my online courses and in the online audio library, you know, you can hear it. And I think that's actually what affects my students the most is that they're witnessing my own design. And I take it very seriously. Manifestor work is very serious because um, we're the ones who create new energy. And there's a lot of unconscious manifestors out there. For example, Donald Trump is a manifestor. Look how potentially violent the manifestor can be when mm-hmm. they're not awake. They just do whatever they want and they don't care who they bulldoze along the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these new manifestors waking up to this, realizing that you have you create energy. What type of energy do you want to create? Do you want to bring more positivity in the world or more fear? more love or more fear. And as soon as we start to realize that sincerely, I think the world will change. And so that's why I take this work so seriously as a manifester. It's for the other manifestors out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to be coming together and feel empowered and do our personal work because nobody else can, nobody else sees it the way we see it. So your work is very, very important because nobody else is going to be able to bring it into this universe the way you do. And suddenly it's like, okay, yeah. And I'll pull up my pants. Here we go. It's it's important. It's really, really important work. So I only want to applaud you for your work. So whenever I see a manifestor doing their thing, I'm like, yeah, yeah, get it, get it. You You get it, sister. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to be encouraged to keep going because we feel alone a lot and we feel, um, like we're people pleasers, like we're too much. So we water ourselves down, which is exactly going against our design. Right, right. Oh my gosh. I could seriously keep talking to you forever, but unfortunately we're going to have to wrap up the show. But I do know that you have some exciting things in the works, like a upcoming podcast. Am I right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I have a podcast coming out and I'm doing this podcast with three others. I wanted there to be a manifester, a projector, a manifesting generator, and a generator. So I've got these energy types together. Um, I didn't, we didn't seek out a reflector just because of the nature of the reflector. And I thought we would perhaps talk about reflectors in a, in a you'll see when the podcasts come out. But I, I, the reason I did this was because we're, if any of us are still competing with each other, it's quick. we're quickly going to have a hard time. That's not going to survive in this new paradigm. We're here to collaborate. And I wanted to show instead of tell that we should be collaborating. And so I found other practitioners, colleagues of mine, and had us come together. We all have unique businesses in our own right. And I wanted to sh- talk about human design concepts while having the other energy types represented. So I'm really excited about it. Um, it's launching in February. And there's going to be some exciting, fun things with some really great personalities. And yeah, it's coming out soon. I can't wait. Oh, I'm so excited, girl. So one last question for you sure. that I ask all my guests, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? What does it mean to me to be unbreakable? I feel unbreakable when I accept my softness and I realize that my vulnerability is actually a power, not a weakness. And I kind of call it the eight mile concept. You know, the movie eight mile, please tell me you've seen it. Yeah. Eminem's eight mile. Great. The rap battle, the end where he's puts all his vulnerabilities on the table. And then the person who's there to compete with him can't, 
it drops the mic. And it's a philosophy for my life. You know, whenever I screw up with white privilege um, or feminism or cultural appropriation, anything like that, any mistake I make, I talk about it. And I bring my vulnerabilities up so that other people can see you know, oh, maybe I should look at what I'm doing as well. And I really feel that makes me unbreakable because it doesn't allow anybody else to come in and try and shatter me. I'm very open to realizing uh, I have flaws that need gentleness and softness, and that makes me stronger. I love that so much. And like I said, I could just keep talking to you, but where can everyone find you, Vanessa? Absolutely. So the best way to find me is VanessaHenry.com or on my Instagram, which is at VanessaHenry. Awesome. Everyone's going to be checking you out for sure now. Thank Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. 